We finished Ruth last week. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12 today. Um, I'm going to take a break in the story series because I feel God drawing me to this. This week, I have watched around our church and just seen so many individuals working behind the scenes, like little worker ants. You know, how many of you have ever stepped on an anthill? You know what I'm talking about? Um, anybody done it on purpose because you love to see the scatter? All, uh, we're cruel, right? I, I know it. Um, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago, actually a few months ago, there was a massive anthill out here where our nine square thing is. And um, I just wanted to see how deep it is. So I took a stick and stuck it down there as far as I could. It went over a foot, half, a foot and a half down in the ground. And those things went nuts. The next day, they were all in my office, all right? Like, literally, I don't know if it was them or not, but they were like, we're following that guy, and we're going to let him know. Literally, there was a thousand ants, it seemed, on my desk. And I was like, I am not messing with those dudes again. You know, one thing that you see, and, and I, I don't want to get too much into this, but an ant is really a, a powerful creature and uh, can lift so many more times its body weight and its size. And the thing that makes it even more powerful, it's communal. It works together. I mean, it, they have a connection that is just really science is baffled by it. The fact that they see each other, work with each other, and, and, and can communicate just so easily, and they function. As soon as you step on that anthill, they don't go into what do we need to do. They go into recovery. They immediately, as a community, come together to bail out the ones trapped and to create new tunnels. Your step and my step on that anthill isn't the end of it. It is the beginning of a new route that that colony is going to take. And if it's too devastating, it'll pack up and it'll move. Thousands of ants will move. And in a day, create a habitat to live in. You know, in Nehemiah, we see where a group of people came together, built walls around an entire city in just a matter of days. In, in Acts 2, you see a group of people come together and launch the new church, the to the Jesus Christ Covenant Church, if we're going to put a denomination on it, to where Jesus is risen, Holy Spirit's empowering, and God can do something now. We don't have to wait on Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes and priests to tell us who God is or to bring us into this presence. We have a Holy Spirit that comes and meets with us, and we have presence with God where we are. And so Acts 2, Peter stands up there and says he's a risen Savior, and by the end of it, that community changes the face of the world. And today you and I are sitting here because the community came together. And as I look around in our world right now, there's a word that's very dangerous that is very promoted, and it's the word independence. Everything about you and me is programmed to be independent. Independent in our finances, independent in the way we process, independent in the things that we do. You are your own, be your own. And while you are unique and wonderfully made, you were not made for independence. You were made for what we would call intradependence, meaning relying on another person. So I want you to do something. I want you to look at somebody near you. Somebody's going to have to come do this with her, all right? So look at somebody right now and tell them these three words. I need you. Say that to them, please. All right, okay. Now, now look at that same person and tell them, you need me. All right, isn't it amazing that the easiest way to get y'all to laugh is to get you to look at each other, all right? But the thing is, we get in, in these moments and it's like, hey, I need you. And we make that eye contact that you just proved a theory. That you looking at me is dead faces. Some of you like look like you're ready, like I'm Shrek and you are the townspeople, right? Like, that, I mean, that's how it looks. And, and, but the moment you look at another and you say those words, 
It puts a smile on the face. It puts a, a connection in your mind. Even if you didn't mean it, you could not look at that person and be serious and say, I need you. You, you look at them and you, you immediately have an emotional move. You have a physical move. You have a appearance change. Just making that eye contact, there was a noise in the room. Just from a moment that was forced in you saying, I need you. You need me. God did not make us to be independent in our lives. He did not make us to stand alone. Matter of fact, even the Declaration of Independence in America was not saying we're independent. It's saying we are united. We're coming together to say that all men are equal. We're coming together that says you deserve equal representation and equal rights. We're coming together to say that you shouldn't be alienated based on your religion. You shouldn't be alienated based on the race of your skin. You shouldn't be alienated based on your social standing. We're going to form a country that is not about being lone rangers. We're going to form a country that's about being a community of people coming together to support the rights and beliefs and the, uh, the, uh, the opportunities afforded to others. We are not, we're not supposed to be a nation that's divided by politics politics, policies, and these things. We were literally formed as a nation with biblical principle of caring about each other. And our whole format was to come together as colonies, communities, and to build out. But now we live in an age of the church where it's who's the best. It's you belong here. You've got to stay here. Oh, you go to that church? Well, you should try mine. Or you're a part of that community? I wouldn't go there. When did God get divided in the way that we see Christianity today? I mean, our God is not a God of independence. Our God is a God of relationship. That a God who is sovereign, meaning, oh, in control, it's all his. There's, there's no other person that can come over his authority. No other person telling him what to do. A God that has angels at his beck and call singing praises constantly in a perfect place, in a perfect climate, in perfect conditions, desired so much to have relationship that created a man and a woman capable of breaking his heart. By the way, can you please write this down? I think you need to remember it. Your perfect relationships do not exist. Heartbreak does exist in relationship. And the more that you love somebody, the more you're at risk of getting hurt. And if you're not risking getting hurt right now, you are absent love in your life. And you say, well, I love them. They should never hurt me. Jesus loved with everything he got and they crucified him. Don't expect a different reaction to you. The more you love somebody, the more you're going to see their flaws. They're going to see your flaws. The more you're going to have to forgive. The more you're going to have to compromise. The more you're going to have to submit. The more you're going to have to say, hey, I desire you more than I desire to be right. I desire you more than I desire my own way. Your dreams are my dreams. My dreams are yours. We're together. We're united. I go, you go. You live, I live. You die, my heart dies. Absent you, my life's not the same relationship is at our core and at our being. And it's not all about being married, which is a great thing. It's not all about having someone that you're dating. It's being part of a community that's accomplishing something. And I'm telling you now, you need to be a part of a community that's not just accomplishing something as building buildings and doing this. You need to be a part of a community that's building the eternal values, the eternal opportunities that God has afforded to this world through Christ and making them known to other people. People that 
that care about where you're going, not where you've been. People that care about your eternity, not your past. People that care about seeing you one day forever in heaven. People that want to see you grow. People that want to see you happy. People that cheer your family on, cheer your kids on, that are behind you saying, let's go. You don't need entertainment today. You need community. You need real. And the truth is, is if we entertained you today, when something more entertaining came along, you'd leave. Am I right? All right, how many of you have seen, and I'm going to throw out a movie, um, National Treasure. How many of you have seen that movie with Nicolas Cage? Raise your hand. Let's see it. Let's see it. How many of you have seen it multiple times? Raise your hand. How many of you have seen it so many times that you don't really care to see it again? Would you raise your hand? All right, there you go. All right, the truth is, is what happened? National Treasure was great, and then all of a sudden something else came out. What was it? National Treasure 2. Right? And so what do you do? Now National Treasure is old news. Who was your favorite band in the 60s? Somebody tell me. Huh? Led Zeppelin? Way to go, man. Like, you're just not going to hold back. All right? Everybody else is like, who was a Christian singer in the 60s? You know, like, they're trying to, it's like, okay, okay, I can't remember the 60s because I was stupid then, but let's see what, you know, things were, things were different and a little blocked and age of love and mistake, right? Who was your favorite band in the 80s? Bon Jovi, Poison, all right, okay. Wow, well, here we go. Uh, what about now? Who's your favorite band now? For King and Country. Oh, you, you think you're going to make up for, okay, all right. It's like, what, what did he say? Can say it again? Ashes remain. Ashes remain. Ashes remain. All right, who's with that guy? Who likes the old rock and roll stuff? All right, all right. How many of you would say this honestly? You do not listen to the same music today you listened to 10 years ago. You know why? It's not as entertaining. Things have changed and evolved. I mean, can y'all believe that Conway Twitty used to be famous? I mean, like, literally, like this guy. If he was alive today, would he be famous? You say yes because you have bias. Do you really think our teenagers would be like, please, get us tickets to Conway Twitty? Matter of fact, let's do this. How many of you teenagers say yes if you actually know who that is? Okay, that's what I thought. All right, the thing is, it's like, it's just, it's not the thing. Why? Things evolve. I'm going to tell you this right now. We live in a day and age that we're chasing the next best thing instead of building consistency. You know, like, um, let's be honest, uh, the evolution of video games, uh, how many of you own the Atari? Let's see how how many old people we have in the room today. All right, uh, Atari. How many of you were Super Nintendo people? I mean, it's appropriate. Let's go. All right. How many of you, how many of you were Super Nintendo people? Okay. Um, any, any Nintendo 64s out there? All right. Those are valuable now, by the way. Um, Sega Genesis. What about PlayStation 1? Twisted Metal. All right. These people are just like, they've evolved in gaming. All right. Now we're Xbox One, Xbox X, and PlayStation 5, and all those things. And if you can find one. The thing is, is right now, if you've been playing your PlayStation 5 and you went and bought out and pulled out your PlayStation 1, you'd get over it fast. Because in our nature, there's a desire for more. And in our nature, there's a desire to chase what makes us feel right. And in our nature, there's a desire to be our own person, become our own person. And independence leads to broken depression. It leads to I'm alone isolation. 
And we are in a, a, a recovery in our world right now due to the isolation that was caused by COVID. And, and whether or not you agree with it or not, even if you don't agree with the church, it is science is coming out saying one of the worst things that happened to society was shutdowns, to where people couldn't be around people. Anybody else come out of it and realize that people are different than they were five years ago? Communities are different than they were four years ago. You know why? Because God never intended for you to go sit in your room, close the door, and not speak to anybody, see anybody. And tweeting and texting and Instagram stories doesn't give you the connection of looking eye to eye, face to face, seeing a smile, feeling a touch. Nothing can replace the interaction we need with each other. You're made for relationships. 2015, we did an entire three-month series on the importance of community. I'm going to put you back on our podcast and let you read that because I can't preach three months in today. But what I do know is as I was thinking and praying and watching, what you see on this stage today has been going on for three to four months in development. And they're not even done yet. They've been painting. These were handmade. These weren't ordered. These weren't bought. These were imagined. And, and everything on the stage has been physically touched by our event team. Peggy started with them, but then Jessica and Angie have gone nuts. Last, this past few days, Keisha and Randy have dove in. Tim have been a part of it. And they've been working tirelessly behind the scenes. And when we walk in, we're like, wow, that's cool. It goes with the theme of Bible school. But they have been seeing this week coming for four months now. And they have been here late at night, every Sunday, working tirelessly, taking up space in their house, doing these things. Why? So that I would stand here and say this? No, because if they knew I was saying it, they would not like me. But the truth is they saw a smile on a face, a kid coming to Jesus, a room filled with people, adults and children, excited to learn about the Lord, setting a stage of opportunity for God to be seen and heard in the lives of 150 plus kids that are already pre-registered for Bible school. And they're looking at it and they're saying to themselves, hey, it has to have something that's not going to be the focus Jesus is, but we're going to set the stage so that Jesus is palatable for the community that's about to happen this week. And on top of that, we got freezers full of food. We got people running to Sam's. Today, we're going to go down slip and slides that have been in plans and creations for weeks. We're going to get on things that we take insignificant, but without community, it would not happen. You're going to step into a day today that is surrounded by the possibilities that can happen when a group of people come together with a mindset to accomplish something. I'm telling you, today, we need to get back to the roots of what God created us to be, and that is connected people in love with him and in love with each other. The greatest commands with promise are to love the Lord with all your heart and equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. So can I say this? Some of you need to start treating yourself well. I'm not saying go out there and be selfish. I'm simply saying stop tearing yourself down every time you get a chance. Stop being negative about you and your life because if you are tearing you down, you're probably tearing other people down because hurting people hurt people. Bleeding people bleed on others. Angry people have tempers with other people. If you believe that, say yes today. All right, here it is. If I'm going to love my neighbor, I need to love God first, not me. 
And I know we like to preach, you got to love yourself. You can't love yourself. I see all the flaw in me. I know the negatives about me. I see the flaws. I know the scars on the body under the clothes. I know the extra pounds and where they hang. I know those things about me. I cannot love me. If I love God, I can embrace his love for me. And knowing that a God of perfection can love my imperfections and see me as perfection in his eyes, clothed in righteousness in his eyes, gives me a hope and it gives me a joy that I'm not worthless today. I'm not flawed today. I stand in God complete through the Holy Spirit and what God can do. And when I realize that and I get my confidence on, I can love you the way that God loves you. Because if I love you the way I love you, sometimes that's not good. Am I right? I was literally having a conversation just recently where I was telling him, look, I've got to look at these people as if I was looking at them from God's perspective. Because when I see the things they're doing, it's annoying. Anybody else got annoying people in their life today? Don't look at them if they're in the room, but just say yes. All right? Anybody got things that you're just like, come on. Like common sense. I'm going to throw you a penny so you got a sense. All right, let's get something. And in our nature, we're like, why aren't you where I want you to be? But in God's nature, he says, I can see why you are where you are. See, we see the behavior of the moment. God sees the pain of the past. We see how they're responding and reacting right here. God sees the absence of the father through their adolescent ages. God sees the abuse they've endured from man to man, woman to woman, as they try to find love in this world. God sees the baggage that they carry. And the good news is, is he doesn't charge baggage fees. He takes those baggages just like they are, and he realizes that these have to be dealt with. And I see you at your age. God sees where you were eight years old, and trauma happened, and you've never grown a moment past it in your emotions. You're saying, are you calling me eight? Hey, guess what? The truth is that some of the burdens I bear right now, the insecurities I carry right now, were literally born and bred and fed as a teenager in my life. And the affirmations I need from others sometimes has nothing to do with a lack of affirmation in my life. It has a lot to do from, you know, that need to be noticed because you sought that your entire life. And if you haven't found the affirmation of your heavenly father towards you, then you're looking for affirmation in anybody that'll look twice at you. How many of you have been there and say yes to that? Yeah. And how many of you have found that no matter how much the world loves you, If you don't understand the love of God, you're blind to the love you have. You can't accept it. You can't receive it. You can't believe it. Matter of fact, if you had a motto of your life, it might sound like this. I don't trust anyone. And I look at that and I say, come on, you can trust me. God looks at that and says, I see why. I get that. And that's why... I sent my son to show that you can trust me. I didn't send you just a letter and a book. I didn't just have action words without action steps. Romans 5.8 is my favorite verse in the Bible. But God, what's the next word? Somebody know? Demonstrated his love for us. That in while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. God just didn't say, I see you in the pig pen, you prodigal. God said, I'm with you in the pig pen. 
you prodigal. God didn't just say, I see your flaws and I see your mistakes. God says, I'm with you in them. God didn't just say, I see you in the boat in the midst of the storm. No, God's in the boat too. The truth is, is wherever you go, he goes. Whatever you see, he sees. Whatever you feel, he feels. And he has deep compassion for you. Anybody else in the room just thankful for that? That God gets me. Matter of fact, my, my sermon title today is, I fit. It fits. My life and your life, my story and your story fits his. The things about me fits into God's plan. The faults in me fit into his story. That even if men mean this for evil, somebody say it with me. God will use it for what? Good. And how many of you can say, wow, there's been a lot of evil in my life. God's got a lot of goodness coming. Can you say that today? Hey, guy, you say, well, no, well, it's still present. Okay, good. That means you are at the worst days of your life, meaning the best is yet to come. God is going to do something from here. Stop looking around and saying the end and start looking around and saying it might be the moment that God steps out into your eternity, into your existence and sees total darkness and utters the words, let there be light. And everything changes. Is that my mic? All right, give me another one. Forgive me if I don't wait on you to get excited about God because I know how bad I've been and I know how good he is and I know how many times I've come short but I know how far he'll go and I know how many times I've fallen and I know how many times he's reached out. I know what I'm not able of and I know what he is able to do and God has been good to me and I cannot stand here today and be woe is me because I look around my life and say how do I deserve what God has given me today and even in the heart if it's gonna rain then I know God's gonna do something here that there's something he wants to show something he wants to accomplish someone he wants to care for someone he wants to love someone he wants to minister to but the truth is if you're living as a lone ranger right now you're going to not be able to receive those words and those action steps that God has taken towards you you and I need each other that brings us to first Corinthians chapter number 12 you ready the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body verse number 12 so it is with the body of Christ. I love this verse. Some of us are Jews, meaning we belong. Can, I, can we just celebrate your testimony today? How many of you can stand here and, and, and say, you know, never had addiction of drugs, alcohol, or substance? Anybody got that testimony today? Look around that room. Celebrate that. Get that hand in the air and say, thank you, God, for sparing me. Thank you, God, for sparing me. How many of you are the opposite and say, I've had the addictive tendencies. Would you slip your hand up in the air? Join my hand as I raise it here. All right, thank you, God, for rescuing me is our story, right? How many of you had great parents that pointed you towards the Lord, nurtured you and loved you? Slip that hand up in the air. Thank you, God, for shielding me. 
How many of you who are absent, those parents in your life, would you join my hand? What about, thank you, God, for adopting me? You know, in our lives, we can look around and we can realize that there's two sides. Jews born into the bloodline, God's chosen people, Gentiles, the outcasts, don't belong there. I am a Gentile. Whether or not you're a Beninatist or not, you are too. We weren't born with Jewish heritage unless you were. And, 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 and thank God it rectures. I love how it goes on and it says, hey, some are slaves and some are free. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to say something to you and I am slowly taking my shirt off. I hope that's okay. This mic is messing with me. It keeps changing and it's bugging me. All right. So here's the thing. Um, I don't want to mess up the online, but I don't want to fight. All right. So if this goes out, we'll say goodbye online. We'll take the next one and we'll come back because I'm not going to fight this. I don't want the, this isn't even the one I normally use. Is it? It's dead. All right. Gotcha. All right. So is uh, it sound weird? Are y'all good out there? All right, so here it is. Listen, I, I, I know that you may be sitting here today and you may be saying, thank God he has changed my life. Or you may be sitting here today still a slave to something in your life. But the good news is this verse says, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free. Forgot there was stuff there. It doesn't matter where you've been in life. What matters is God is right here and so are you. And in this moment, God is right here with you. And he's not looking, saying, Arista, where are you? He's looking at you saying, Arista, here we are. What are we going to do? And I, I, I think it's amazing how we can preach the prodigal son's story, but not preach the first two verses of Luke 15. And the prodigal son, I've always heard preached as if this prodigal was an unbeliever. But, you know, I was studying that, and then uh, all of a sudden at Mobile Life House yesterday, the guy preached on it, made me think about it even more. But here's the thing. The prodigal son was still a son to the father before he left, while he left, and when he came back. And a lot of times we go and we say, if you're here and you're a prodigal and you, you, you don't know God, come to him. But the truth is, is that story, if we take it in context, is talking about people who are in the family. And that means that, hey, if you're here and you know Christ, yet you're not perfect today, hey, and you, you, you're still part of the family, but come back to God. You don't have to stay in the world. You've, you, you've, you've slidden. You've gone away. You can come back. But the first two verses of that said, the Pharisees got together and said, this dude eats with people who are sinners. And I'm thankful today that God's not pulling up to the table of the perfect. He's pulling up to the table of the undeserving. And that's you and that's me today. And you may be Jew, Gentile, you may be slave, you may be free, but God loves you today and you are part of the body no matter where you are as long as your faith has been placed in Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life. Look at the next verse if you would. Yes, the body has said, let's keep going. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. If we're going to get in this, it fits, we fit, we've got to come to this understanding that we are not better than the person beside us. We are not better than the people around us. Nobody in here is in a state of mind where you can say that I have more of God than you have because God's not a favorite of persons. And if you think you have a better understanding of scripture than others, if you think you have a better relationship with God, you may be walking closer to God, but God's not sitting here saying, I want to hang out with you more than I want to hang out with them. No, 
God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. And he wants everybody equally the same. He loves us all the same. And the same spirit he gave Peter and James and John is the same spirit he gave me and he gave you. And if Peter can walk down the road and people get healed, then there's miracles that God can do through you and me today. And we are not absent those things. We just might have, number one, ready? Differences. Look at this. Here, here it is. Here's what he says. The body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it less than any part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how could we hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would we smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange would a body be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. How many of you understand? This is a very easy passage of scripture to understand. How many of you say, I kind of like having fingers and toes. Anybody like that? I kind of like having a left hand and a right hand. Anybody like that? Two eyes, two ears, one nose. I'm glad we only have one because some smells I don't want twice, right? Hey, you know, I've, I've once heard a preacher say this. God gave you two eyes and two ears and one mouth. He wants you to listen and see more than you ever talk. And I thought, what a good thing. Understand this, and I want you to get it, and I want you to sink this into your life. Just because you're different doesn't make you better or doesn't make you less. You know, now, I, I, I wrote this, and I want you to understand this. As, as we're saying it's okay to be different, and in community, we've got to accept the differences of others. We're not talking uh, in belief system here. The Bible's not using this as a thing to say, Garrett, believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe, and we'll just let each other believe things that we shouldn't believe and be okay with that because we're one body. No, we got one spirit, which should unite us in our belief system. How many of you understand that? There's one baptism. You know what they're saying? There's one way of salvation, that's Jesus Christ. There is only one, not your church, not your inherited faith of your grandparents, no other way but Jesus Christ. It's got to be stable. That is it. There's one spirit, one baptism, one God. Say got it if you got it. All right, here's the thing. I've heard people use this and say, well, I got to embrace their differences. No, it's talking about difference of function. The eye has a different function than the ear. The ear has a different function than the mouth. The mouth has a different function with your nose. If you don't believe that, try eating through your nose. It doesn't work. Drinking through your ear doesn't happen. You say, that is so silly. But the thing is, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to believe wrong and you got to accept it. No, here's the thing. Part of being one body in a community says we embrace it. We don't judge each other's differences of beliefs, but we try to come to a unified belief in who Jesus Christ is. But we have different functions. I cannot do this. Anybody in here creative like this? Not me. They can craft things and do things and they've got this little puzzle thing over here for people to to draw on but in it are hidden items can you find them all there's an i spy game i'm not that smart nor do i have the dedication it takes to sit and and take time to draw all those things to build all those things paul built a spinny wheel that i can't stop playing with every time i see it 
You know, it makes that noise. Anybody else like that? We're going to spin it a lot this week, but, but I, can't, I can't even imagine how to do it. I can say we need it. I can say that would be cool. But if you gave me the materials and gave me every bit of the materials and even the instructions, I promise you I'd mess it up. In some shape, it's just not me. Who in here is a singer? None of our praise team raised their hand. That's weird. You, you, you. Okay, DJ. How many of you agree DJ is a singer? He's got that raspy rocker voice, doesn't he? And it's just like, I told him this morning, I was sitting there and he was singing. It was like, ah, it's like, I wish I had that grit. I only get that after I preach, you know, and, and I can't talk anymore, right? Like, but the thing is, is how many of you are like, never in public would you hear me sing? Slip your hand up in the air. We know that because we watch your worship, but I, I, no, I'm just kidding. The thing is, it's like, I never would I sing. You just, if I handed you this mic and said, go, are you in? You do it? Yeah. No, I was about to do it, man. He was like, yeah, no, he's not. All right, here's the thing. Listen, um, the, the worst thing we could do is sit here and say, I want to be a hand. And we're made to be a foot. Some of us don't preach ever in public, speak ever in public, teach ever in public. But without you, we would have no one to preach to. And you and I, we come in and somehow in our churches, we worship our pastors. We worship our music. And we forget that the leader of that church is God, not anybody else. And just because somebody has a microphone doesn't make them more important than you. Like... Howard and, and Joe mowing so beautifully so that we can have a field day today, right? The people that'll stay after church and blow up, by the way, we're going to recruit you after second service, um, to blow up 2,000 water balloons. Do you think those kids pick up a balloon and say, I'm so thankful for the person who blew this up? <laughs> or do you think they pick it up and say, where's my mom? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... I'm about to splash her. You know, every year I'm in the middle and I'm like, let's count it down, let's go. And within three seconds of saying go, I get slapped in the head. Like two years ago, I couldn't see for like an hour out of the right side because I said go and it was like, pow. And none of them did it in Jesus' name. None of them. Yesterday I was able to go in the morning over to our elders' house, Garrett and Susan able to baptize someone who um, has been associated with our church for several years. And I got my car and I literally, on my way to Mobile Life House to meet other people from Grace working, tears were rolling down my face as I thought, how humble that I can just call somebody up and say, I need your yard, I need your dock, I need your, I need your water. Because somebody wants to get baptized and they don't want to get baptized in the church, they want to get baptized outside. And to be able to go over there and not just be there, but Garrett be with us standing there videoing a stranger and doing that. And I thought to myself, man, we're blessed. You know, it's like, here we are. And, 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 and today, throughout this week, we'll spend time with 50 to 60 volunteers every single night. You know why? It fits. And not all of them get credit. Not all of them get seen. But without one of them, we're in trouble. If one person can't show, it puts a kink, doesn't it? You got Whitney and others that have been planning and organizing. Over a year now, they've been planning towards this. Secretaries who have been ordering around the clock for six months. I'm using a current example of one event to try to get you aware of the most important thing that's happening at Grace Community Church is not happening right now in this microphone. 
It's happening behind the scenes in the people who are taking care of things. In the days that the septic system backs up and shuts down the night before Easter. And three men dig it up and get in. So that you can come have an Easter service hoping that someone gets saved. And the multiple people that got saved today, I don't believe God's sitting there saying, ooh, what a good message. I think God's sitting there saying, what a good community that would come together. And even if it's stinky, do what needs to be done so that somebody can hear the gospel. And I'm thankful today that my function isn't dealing in septic tanks. Anybody else say yes to that today? <laughs> but aren't you thankful for the people that no matter what it takes, they're doing it? We had to move our water slide and in moving our water slide realized that we had a danger hazard that's been open for nine years on our property to where the drain line that goes through our entire property has an opening big enough to swallow your children. And I know that one boy one day would have seen it and said, let's go. <laughs> and that thing is over 600 feet long or something like that. And like, we would have never known where they are. And I promise you, there's got to be a snake in there. <laughs> and so what do we do here goes our men into action and they're putting grates in front of it and making sure that as we're out there today the thing you never thought of would has already been covered and when I saw Wade drilling that in this week I thought isn't it amazing how God is covering us in the areas of our lives the dangers that are there that we're not even aware of today and the thing we never would have thought about, an angel has stood in your defense and kept it from getting to you. And the things you never could imagine would happen, the dangers you never thought you would be in, God has surrounded you. This week, Wade and I, as we were walking the field, getting ready to, okay, where are we going to place this? Where are we going to do this? And trying to vision things out. Uh, all of a sudden, this rain came out of nowhere. There was literally, I felt like Elijah. It was blue skies all around us, except for where he was sawing and I was standing and it was raining. And all of a sudden, in that rain, we hear the squeal of tires and a boom. And Wade said, I know that sound. That's a wreck. He goes up the hill. We see a car on its top. We jump in. We go around 17-year-old boy on his top out in the field totally fine I mean you knew God's hand was on that kid because the driver's side of his car was the one collapsed and he didn't even hit his head he had a seatbelt on the worst injury he had was the speaker in the back came up and hit him in the shoulder and he had a knot but I don't believe that's why God had us there I believe the reason that God had us there was that somebody from the community was going to pull up and start bashing the kid and while we're standing there, this guy goes by, laying on his horn, gets to his house, gets in his little ATV, comes riding over there and says, I've seen this kid do this a thousand times. And I'm sitting there like, you're a liar. You weren't even here when he did it. And so he starts going after the 17-year-old boy. And I kept looking at Wade saying, we can't leave. The boy's aunt standing there about ready to throw down with this person. The police show up and he's, he left. He comes back just to try to get the kid in trouble. And, and I felt like God put Wade and I there, not so that we could just witness a wreck, but that we could protect that kid from the attack. And so I go to the officer and I say, this guy has nothing to do with this. And he gets him ran off the property. And, 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 and we're saying, hey, it was raining. And the other cops are like, no, it wasn't. I was like, why do you think I'm standing here with an umbrella? When we got here, the kid was getting soaked and we ran up and we held him. You know, God God didn't have us there because he needed CPR. God didn't have us there because he needed healing. God had us there because he needed a covering and he needed somebody to stand there in his defense because if we weren't there, who knows what they'd have wrote up about him. And you say, well, what are you saying? God has gone before you and done things that you didn't even know he was doing. 
don't forget that when he draws you to a community and you realize the people you're in community with are not perfect people. We are not the same. We're different with different functions, but we come together and through our abilities, God covers the other. I can preach today and I don't know how God does that. I don't know absent the Holy Spirit where these would even come from, these sermons and God working in my life. There is probably way more qualified spiritual leaders sitting in this auditorium. But for some reason, on this moment, God takes away my stuttering issues, takes away my fears and anxieties, and he starts speaking things. There are literally times I'm teaching a class, something will come out of my mouth that's not in my notes, and I'll look at my class, I'll stop, and I'll say, please text that to me. Because I know God just dropped a bomb. It's not me. And I'll forget that and I need it. How many of you have been there? And you know what, God? You're counseling and all of a sudden, boom. And it's like, whoa. You know what that is? Evidence of a God who deserves to sit on a throne. Who would rather stand in your heart. That's the goodness of God today. And if we're going to be a community, it means I look at you and I'm like, okay, you're quirky. I'll take it. Okay, you're what I would call weird. I'm probably what you would call weird. Let's just get over it and accept each other. Right? Some of you like crazy things. I mean, our our KOZ went shooting yesterday and a bear showed up. A bear. And they stayed. You know? They stayed. Joe comes walking in carrying a baptism over his head because they were going to baptize the guy yesterday. (laughs) All smiles and ears and, oh, it was awesome. They tell me these stories of the snakes they see and all the things that they're like. And I'm like, I would never, ever. Like, you do not want me. If you're wanting to grow men that are strong and woodsmen, I am not your guy. I'm going to stay in the car. The weeds are high. There's got to be a snake out there. (laughs) There's a butterfly. That's a bug. Get back in the car. (laughs) Right? The other day we were doing something, we had a, a light out looking at something, and this moth from prehistoric times showed up. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, what in the world is that? And they're like, oh, it's just a moth. And I'm like, it can eat me. <laughs> my mom told me they'll eat holes in my shirts, and I, I just don't want to have to buy a new wardrobe. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not the guy. They're like, come to KOZ. I was like, I did once when it was here. Come to the woods. No. Not going to be there. I love them. I support them. But I'll send Derek. And here's the thing. I'll do the spiritual thing. And I'll pray for you. And I'll be there in spirit. (laughs) Am I right? Does that make me less of a man than Joe? No. I was expecting at least one yes. And I thought Joe would say it. (laughs) First time I met Joe was on an Xbox. And we were playing Call of Duty. Judge me later. Next thing I know, we're playing softball in a field. And so I show up to the field, and Joe comes up, and I'm like, hey, I'm Josh. He's literally, even to this day, saved in my phone 10 years later as Joe Softball Xbox. It's not Joe Horner. It's Joe Softball Xbox. It's not Joe, elder of our church. Joe Softball Xbox. Howard's still in my, in my phone as Howard Fundraiser. That's where I met him. At an auction over a dumpling. And, 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 and when I walk up to Joe and I introduce myself, the first words out of his mouth were, I thought you'd be smaller. <laughs> and then his next words were, because your voice is so high. You know, it's like, I am not going to be the guy on Muscle Magazine. I'm not going to be the guy that gets the HGTV show. That's not who I am. 
And if I wanted that so bad, I'd be depressed here. If I wanted to be something I'm not, I would never become what I am. And the part of community that should be good is that we don't expect you to become like me. We expect you to become like God made you to be. We expect you to stay quirky because some people like it. We expect, like Andre, when Andre's around our teenagers, he says these rap things and does these things. And I'm like, what are you doing? And the kids are like, that is awesome. And I could sit here and say, I'm jealous of David, or I'm jealous of them, or I could sit here and say, thank God there's a David, there's an Andre, there's a Chelsea, there's a, a Michelle and a Jamie, there's a, a, a Libby and a Casey, and there's all these people on our team, a Rachel Keys, who is totally different. Thank God for that. You know why? Because not everybody's going to mesh with me. And if I leave it all up to me, we'll lose our entire youth group. But sometimes we say, hey, it's dismissed and three or four come my way and five or six will go that way and 10 will go this way and Howard's over there with his and, and the kids that are drawn to him. Jamie, you know, and, and, and Kevin, they keep the freezer stocked and I'm so sorry, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bed. They keep it going. Frida and others and Connie make sure that there's groceries at all times in that pantry. Then you got Peggy and Amy and all these other people on Monday nights that are cooking great meals and not just for our teens anymore, but for our grief class. And now over 100 people are eating on a Monday night, a hot meal. Over 125 on a Wednesday night. And here's the thing, not one person preparing the meal is paid. And I step back and I'm like, God, how did, how did we deserve these type of good people? What if I walked around and I said, and I heard somebody coming up and telling Mary that she makes some of the best desserts they've ever had and I get jealous? Well, nobody's ever said that to me because I've never made a dessert, but still, it doesn't matter. They should have said it to me. And then because I so want that praise, I go make a dessert and kill everybody because I can't cook. <laughs> right? Hey, can I tell you this? It's not stay in your lane. It's stay in your function. Be Okay. Today, Steve and Stephanie are letting us hook up to their house so that we can have good water pressure for a slip and slide. I'm going to tell on them, I offered to pay their water bill, and they said, no, we're still going to do it. But the thing is, is like our water pressure here now goes and it's multiplied so many times that if a, a bathroom is flushed and a water is running, you lose water pressure fast and it really doesn't work well for a slip and slide. You know how huge that is today? Not one kid's going to go down that slip and slide and say, where did the water come from? I do believe God's in heaven with his little reward book saying, gotcha, I see you. Thank you for being you today. Thank you for giving what you have today. I think sometimes we come into our churches and we try to get them to become Baptist or try to get them to become non-denominational or try to get them to become Church of God. And I just want you to become what God created you to be in Jesus' name and let the Holy Spirit lead you from where you are. I don't care what denomination you are. I just want to know this is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And are you living the life that the Lamb died to give you? Are you excited about you and what God is doing in you? Number two, look at this. Verse 22, we find that we're equally important. In fact, some parts of the body seem weaker and less important, but they're actually the most necessary. How many of you do not like disgusting bathrooms? Would you slip your hand up in the air? Let's testify to that. So a janitor 
a building administrator is necessary. How many of you like sitting in the balcony and love the fact, if you used to be here, you knew it was not this easy to see. How many of you like being able to see through glass and see the stage and it'd be a clear view? How many of you enjoy that in the balcony? Yeah, you know what? You need to thank the teenagers and Howard and his family who wash those things religiously every week. And then Wednesday, come in here and watch the kids play. Don't stop them from playing. We're not going to make the church something that it shouldn't be and act like the church is the place that God lives. We want our children to know that God lives in their hearts. So can you run in the house of God? Yeah, David danced in the presence of the Lord. So we're not going to sit here and say, you got to sit and be quiet and don't blow a bubble. That's not going to be what we do. But if you watch sometimes, you see some of our kids lick the glass. Yeah. <laughs> and every time I think to myself, I'm glad I'm not. Howard. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not that person. But you know what? They never complain. Those, te- those girls that are his, they come in here and they work every week. And when I come in sometimes and they're finishing work and I see them exhausted, but you know what? I've never heard one of those girls at our youth group say, I clean this building. Not once. But I've seen them do it a lot. I'm telling you right now, I don't care what you think is important in the church. What you see is not the most important part. Sundays are not my favorite thing. You know what was my favorite thing? The baptism when nobody else is there. The Monday night group when people are pouring out, getting grief out. Seeing Tuesdays where people are coming seeking restoration in their life. The fact that Wednesdays, we're now in a discussion on what to do because none of our classes are big enough to host the small groups. To step out and look in the backfield and realize that something is happening there that we don't even know how it's financially possible, yet things are taking place that are out of our control. I look around and see God everywhere. My favorite thing is not here. My favorite thing is the conversations we'll have in just about 10 minutes. The moments we'll get together. The moment that we can step into your living room if you're on a live stream or listening in your car on a podcast and and, and be able to say, hey, there's a God that would love to see you come and hang out with his people. He says, don't forsake the assemblings of us together. But there's also a God that even if you can't make it today, can sit on that couch next to you, can ride in that car going down the road. There's a God that wants to meet with you. And it's not a God that says, I'm only there for the people that are perfect. No, it's a God that says, "I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Let's go. Hey, listen, you are not the least in the kingdom. But if you were, those are the ones he wants. Those are the ones he met with. You might be in a church that's not the most popular and not the most famous. You're never going to be in this church and hear that we're perfect. You're never going to be in this church and let's beg you to stay. You're never going to be in this church and hear us try to entertain you or try to bribe you into loving us. We're not the coolest church in the world, but we got some cool people. Amen. We're not the only church in the world that knows Jesus Christ. So why would we act like we're the only church in the area you could go to? We got people in other churches right now. Sharing the gospel right now. And our hearts should be, God, use them where they are. Would I love it if we stayed together and hung out all the time? Absolutely. My favorite memories are with my family and you. My wife, my kids, then you. 
But the reality is, if we always stayed together, the gospel wouldn't get taken out. And at some point, in just a few months, we're going to say goodbye to some of our college age that's moving to other areas. They'll be back and hanging out with us. But their lives are going to go in the direction that God's called them. Everything in me wants to say, I'll offer you a position to stay. But I can't be their God. And I've got to pray, God, if you bring them back, help us to have position ready. But if you're not bringing them back, help us to still see them even afar off. And care for them wherever they go. And celebrate their ministries and their successes wherever they go. When you get on your Facebook and you see a couple that's happy, don't get jealous of them. Get excited and pray that it's real and that God's moving in their home. Say, well, I want that. You can have what you want if you're willing to do the work that's necessary to to gain the function that you need. Matter of fact, have you ever realized that if your hand's in a cast, which I know one of our girls is right now, she had surgery this week, but it's good to see you. All right, but the thing is, it's like, if you keep it in that cast long enough, what do you do? You lose function. And what do they have to do? Physical therapy to get it back. You know what Sundays is? A little bit of physical therapy. You know what your small group is? Intensive physical therapy. You know what having a sponsor and a mentor and accountability partner is? It's one-on-one, hand-on-hand, mouth-to-ear, ear-to-mouth, eye-to-eye. It's intensive care. I see you. You're getting focused on, and you're going to see that grow. You say, I want to change. You cannot do it alone. You need God's help, and you need others. We're not the same. We're equally as important. In verse 25. When we work together, harmony among the members so that all the members take care of each other. There's harmony among the members. That's my prayer. Verse 27 to verse 30, we don't need to envy each other's function. In verse 31, I love how this chapter ends. This chapter ends with, oh, by the way, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. I like this sentence. But now, let me show you A way of life that is best of all. What's the next chapter about? Love. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, in verse number, and I don't want to miss this, verse 28, here's some of the parts that God has appointed for the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, those who do miracles, the gift of healing, those who can help others, and those who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in tongues, unknown languages. Are we all apostles? No. Are we all prophets? No. Are we all teachers? No. Do we all have the same power to do miracles? No. Do we all have the gift of healing? No. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? No. Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? No. Of course not. But we should desire the gifts that will help the other people. And here's the best way to live. Love. Chapter 13. If I have the gift of prophecy but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I have the gift of speaking languages and unknown languages but I don't have love, I am nothing. We need each other, but in each other, we need a deep, passionate love for each other to care, to see people succeed, care, to see them healed, care, to see them move forward, care, to see them recovered and established, care, and not bail out when it gets tough. Dig in and say, we're a community and we can survive a winter. We can survive a storm. We can survive a bad attitude. We can survive a rebellious teenager. We can survive a marriage on the rocks. 
We can survive it without having to split up and kick somebody out. Because we've all been a rebellious teenager at some point. Can I hear a yes here? Yeah. yeah, so stop looking at them and saying, can you believe what they're doing? And stop realizing they're a kid. Kids do what kind of things? Kid things. Matter of fact, in 13, at the end, Paul said, when I was a child, I actually acted and spoke like a child. But when I became a man, what did he do? I put away childish things. The other day, I played basketball, and uh, Jed hit the side of my knee, and like, I couldn't hardly walk the next day. And so, from then forward, everybody's been saying, are you going to play? And my answer is no. You know why? I have to go to work tomorrow, and this body ain't what it used to be. <laughs> Thank you for that, Dale. I appreciate that. <laughs> He's talking about his, but I get it. It's not the same. Do I need to get in better shape? Yes. Am I coming for them? Yes. In 20 pounds, I will be back out there in the right shoes and not in jeans in an air conditioning somewhere. <laughs> am I right? And am I going to play defense? Absolutely not. And am I going to run a full court game? Absolutely not. I'm going to camp out at the three-point line and dare you to guard me. But if you ask me to move, it's over. There, I gave you my game. If you just stand with me, I'm done. You know why? I have to go to work tomorrow, and I'm not the same as I was when I was 18. You know, you got injured when you were younger. It didn't cost you money. But when your family has to eat and they depend on you, guess what? I can't do some of the dumb things I used to do. Somebody asked me the other day, you want to go skiing? Nope. <laughs> nope. You know why? I got to go to work tomorrow. You now you say, well, I can ski. That, I'm, we're not saying give up your fun. I'm just saying... My fun's a little bit different than it used to be. My fun's going to a concert with my wife last night and ignoring my phone. Yeah, my retirement plan is to go to a lake and throw my phone in it and then recover it so you don't think I'm littering. All right? like, I'm just kidding. You know, here's the thing. Like, I think we got to get back to community where we say, I see you. And I love you right where you are the way you are. You're not yourself today. I'm not going to avoid you, nor am I going to throw like my thoughts down your throat. But I'm going to let you know I see you and I care about you. And the fact that you're not yourself, it worries me, but I'm here. You don't have to tell me. Just know that even if I never know, the love for you I have will never change. There's going to be falls in this place. You don't have about 400 members plus without somebody slipping up. Now, we're not saying you have a right to do that. And we're not saying that you should do that. But what I am saying is if that were to happen to one of our members today, we don't need a church that talks about what they did. We need a church that talks about what God wants to do. God wants to restore them and bring them up. To the weak in the room, he wants to give you strength. To the arrogant in the room, he wants to give you humility. To wherever you are in the room, God has a message and a word for you and something he wants to do in you. Don't stop, don't quit, don't give up. God wants to keep you going. And by the grace of God, he's given you a group of people that says, you fit. You fit. Anybody in here today say, you know what? I'm in a state of mind that I will not judge, I will not hold against, I will not demand or, or have expectation of you, but I will say in the name of Jesus Christ, I will love you, you fit into the kingdom, and I will stand with you and help you no matter what. Is there anybody like that today that would just raise a hand showing the rounds around you, you fit with me. Would you slip your hand up? Just say, you fit with me.
And aren't you thankful today? And let's thank God. We all fit at the foot of the cross. We all fit in the Lamb's Book of Life. We fit. You matter today. Bow your heads and close your eyes and no one look around. Will you pray right now? We're going to have a prayer over Bible school. And I want you to pray with me right now as we close over this next week that there will be a unity among believers as we pursue to build and establish the faith of young people in this place. We have the most pre-registered kids we've ever had in our history. I don't know if they're all showing up, but we have more pre-registered this year than showed up on our biggest day last year. And I look at that and I think to myself in one way, holy cow, how are we going to fit them? In another way, it's like, no, what an opportunity. And God has a plan in a way. And so when you're saying, well, I don't have anything to do for Bible school, show up. I promise you, we need you. And I promise you, we'll use you. The seat you're sitting in could be the seat that a kid hears about Jesus and not in a cuss word for the first time of their life. It could be the seat where an abused person comes in and feels a touch of love that they've never felt in their life. A preacher could be born where you're sitting. An evangelist could be called where you're sitting. A child could get the excitement of God in their heart and go home and reach a parent from where you're sitting. How cool is that? And whether it's through Bible school or a Sunday or a Tuesday or a Monday or a Thursday and all the years, there's 11 opportunities for you every week to get into a small group here. You could pray that from the seat you sit in, that God would rescue a life, change a life, empower a life, strengthen a life, use a life, call a life, and in Jesus' name, save a life from where you sit. You are significant, but so are they. So would we pray with me that God would use this church, these seats, and you this week to get the gospel to someone? to get love to someone. And in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and to his glory, and to his praise, may lives be changed. Would you join me in prayer? God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've blessed us with. A free country that allows us to praise you openly. A building with AC and comfortable seats a place that we can come together and, and, and commune and, and fellowship. And you feed us from here, both physically and spiritually. You walk with us here and in our homes. You give us vehicles to drive, gas to put in it. You've given food on our tables. God, we, we could just go on and on and on and on about how great it is and what you've done to bless us to live in the country, in the area that we live. But God, what a waste to have all this opportunity from you. And not care about the opportunities that you want to give others. So I pray that in the hearts of us that are here today and listening today. That a deep rooted care and compassion for others would be born. That humbleness to meet the needs of people. A willingness to go out of our way. A desire to sacrifice so that others can have. A generosity that will give so that others can be reached, bills be paid, food be given. God, we pray that not from the seats a revival arise, but from our hearts. Draw us to community. 
Help us to see the desire you have to see your church healthy and growing and caring for others. May we leave here rescuing the others as brands from the burning so that they can know that they fit in the family of God. They function in the family of God. They live through your son's life. And it's in his name we pray.